want to begin this little two-part series entitled Times of Refreshing. And uh, today I want to talk about this idea of waiting on the power or waiting on the promise of God's power. This is what I want to talk about today. And I really want to zero in on this idea about what it means to wait for God's power, what it means to wait on God's presence. And I want to uh, read from Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 8, and then we'll skip down to verse 14 in a moment. But this is what you find in the scriptures. It says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart, to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say, wait. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And then the scriptures go on and say that Jesus ascended into heaven, and the disciples went back to Jerusalem, and they went into the upper room where they stayed, and then verse 14 tells us what they were doing during this time. It says that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So that's the reading of God's word, and let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you now. We need your presence. We need your touch. And I pray, God, that your grace would be upon me today to share your word and for every one of us to receive it. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Now, sometimes we mistakenly think that Jesus' last words to his disciples was to go. We'll say the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven was go, like go into all the world. But really, the last, last words of Jesus were not go, but stay, or wait, or remain. In other words, Jesus was saying, before you can go, you need to wait for my power. You need to wait for my anointing. And so we kind of get that backwards every once in a while. They, if they were, and the reason for the waiting was that they needed to be endued with power from on high. The disciples could not be or do all that Christ had commissioned for them until, in their own strength or in their own ability. They needed what Jesus had while he lived on this earth. And let me tell you what Jesus had. He had the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, though he was God, he was still a man. And in his, he was divine in that he was sinless, but in his humanity, he was still weak in and of himself and needed an outside force, an outside presence, an outside power to enable him to do what he did while he was on the earth. And he said to his disciples, these things you see me do, you shall do, and greater than these, because I go to my Father. But first, you got to wait. You have to wait to receive 
the very same thing, the very same one that I had in my life that will give you the power. Amen. And so sometimes this idea of waiting on the Spirit might surprise us because we're thinking to ourselves as believers, well, hasn't the Spirit already been poured out like 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost? Didn't the Holy Spirit, wasn't he already poured out upon all flesh? Or as a believer, we might say, as I've trusted in the Lord and I know that I've received the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, I already, don't I already have the Holy Spirit? And the answer to those questions are yes, absolutely. But wait, there's more. There's more where that came from. There's more available to us There's more outpouring, there's more renewal, there's more power available to us. God wants us to experience an ongoing, overflowing, outpouring of his Holy Spirit, and we need it all the time because we still live in this world that's broken and hurting, and we're facing all kinds of battles in our lives. And we're trying to get by in our own strength. We got our get out of hell ticket and we're saved and we're going to go to heaven. But we can't, we can't live powerfully in this world without continually being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because as a human, I leak. I... Run to, I, I run out of gas. I, I, you know, I, I, get, I get discouraged. I get fearful. I get overwhelmed by all the pressures and all the stuff that I'm feeling and seeing around me. I'm, I'm facing the persecution that you face. I'm dealing with the trials that you face. And in order to get from here to there, I've got to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Many times the early church experienced many outpourings of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a one and done deal. It happened throughout the book of Acts. And I love what, this is where the title of my series comes from. It's out of Acts chapter 3 verse 19. This is Peter and he's preaching and he says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It's good to get saved. It's good to repent of our sins. It's good that our sins are forgiven. Come on, amen. Isn't that good to know that you're forgiven? But he said, what we also need is times of refreshing. I need renewal. I need reviving. I need outpouring. I need infilling in my life all the time. All the time. Times of refreshing of refreshing speak of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon people who are genuinely seeking him. And so I've already said it, but let me just say there are times in our lives as individuals and as churches that we need a brand new touch. We need something that we're, sometimes we are living without. And we're living without the power Too much. Amen. But we need this outside force. We need this power of God to come. We need to be endued with power from on high again. 
but we're going to have to wait for it. Jesus commanded, if you remember, he commanded his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. This was this is a good word for us because Jesus what Jesus told those early followers is that they need to be willing to wait for a fresh move of God upon their lives before they can ever do what God told them to do. And for us here today in these 10 days and in this season that we are in right now, I think God is really calling us to wait in his presence for a fresh move of his spirit right here, right now. He's calling us to do this. But what is this waiting about? What does the waiting that I'm talking about here or out of this scripture look like? And how do we do it? Listen, we're waiting for power, but I want to remind you that there's power in waiting. We're waiting for power, but there is power in waiting. So from this passage, I want to talk to us as a church, as a family. Come on, are we family in the room today? So I want to talk to us today about how to wait for the power. What does that look like? What does that mean for us? Well, number one, it means we need to wait corporately. We need to wait as a church, as a body, as, an individu- as, as individuals making up the body of Christ. All of us together need to get on board with waiting for the power of God. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, or the scripture said that, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to to depart from Jerusalem. I'll get my mouth moving here in a minute. But to wait for the promise of the Father. And then it says, and they returned to Jerusalem, and they went up into the upper room where they together in one accord prayed with supplication. It wasn't just a few people really going after God. It was all of them. It was everybody getting on board. Everybody understanding that we need to do this together. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. We are the people of God. And we're not just lone rangers out here figuring it out, showing up to church, getting a word to get me through another week. It's we. It's not me. It's we. We are God's people. And we need to act like God's people and live like God's people and be together like God's people and be in unity like God's people. We need to wait for God to move here corporately, together, being together. It wasn't just for the lead disciples. It was for all of them. And we know how many there were. It goes on to tell us that there were 120 of them that were meeting together. They were gathering together. Maybe they had their jobs. Maybe they had their families. Maybe they had their responsibilities throughout the day. But they were coming together in that upper room. And they were praying. And they were seeking God. And they were waiting for the promise of God and the power of God. And they were doing it together. Amen. We need to be in this thing together. Abundant Life Fellowship. Here's, this is a powerful promise. Psalms 133, verses 1 through 3. It says, Behold, 
How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That word dwell literally could be translated how wonderful it is or pleasant for brethren to sit together in unity. It is like precious oil. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It is like precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon. Another symbol of the Holy Spirit is dew. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When God's people are together and when we're in one accord and we're thinking about the same thing and we're going after the same thing and we're praying in the same direction, there is an anointing on that. There is a grace on that. And not only does it come on us, but look what he said. He said, the dew of the mountain will descend upon the mountains of Zion and there will be blessing and life for other people because of what God does in our hearts. Come on now. I'm preaching my heart out up here. Amen. How do we wait corporately? Well, we sit together. Amen. We dwell together. In other words, we keep showing up. We keep serving. We keep loving. We keep giving. We keep praying. We keep fighting for one another. And we keep fighting with one another, not against each other, but together as an army of God for the kingdom of God. Staying with it. Amen. Paul said in Philippians 1.27, stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is how it gets done. This is no Lone Ranger stuff here. It's a church It's a body. It's a fellowship. Amen. Nobody lives on the outskirts. Amen. Get inside. You guys okay? Did I upset you? Turn to somebody and said, go on in. Tell them to get in. Here's another thing we need to do. We need to wait not only corporately, but we need to wait expectantly. Jesus said... Wait, listen to his words. Wait for the promise. Everybody say promise. The promise of the Father. Jesus says your dad wants, he's got promise for you. This idea of the promise gives us a sense of expectancy. God is going to do something. God is going to move in a special way. We need to wait with expectation that I know sometimes when you're praying and when you're fasting especially, it doesn't look like there's any hope. But there is an expectation on the other side. God says we need to wait. Jesus said, he used those words, wait for the promise. God has made some promise. God promised in the Old Testament, he said, I am going to take out your old heart of stone and I'm going to put within you a heart of flesh and my spirit will be in you and no one will ever have to tell you how to live your life. You will get it from God himself. Woo, come on now. And then he said in another place, in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
That was God's promise. Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. Your Father has something special He wants to give you. And I want to tell you here, Abundant Life Fellowship, our Father wants to give us something special. There is a power work. There is a promising, powerful work that God has for us. And I don't know what it looks like ultimately and finally, but I believe it's going to be good. Amen. Sometimes we give up on the promise and we live in passive resignation that anything as good is ever really going to happen, especially if you turn on the news these days. And if you watch too much media and you get kind of sucked into that vortex too too much and you're, you're, it, it'll just suck the life right out of you and you'll just have this sense, you know, I know I'm a Christian and I'm just hoping I'll get to heaven and I'll just, I just, I hope Jesus comes back really soon. But I want to tell you something, that's not how Jesus wants you to think or live. If he wants you in heaven, he'll kill you. No, he won't do that. But we get, we we almost, with all the garbage going on, we get so discouraged, and we just like, let them have it. And we just kind of pull away into our own little world. But I want to tell you something that, I don't know what I was going to tell you. <laughs> I can't find it, that's why. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, hopefully this will get better here in a minute. Anyway, forget it. The Bible word for wait means expect. That's what it means. You have an expectation. Look at what Psalms 130 verses 5 and 6 says. I wait, or literally, I expect the Lord. I'm waiting I expect the Lord. My whole being expects. And in his word, I put my hope. Expect the Lord more than the watchman. Expect the morning. When you're up all night, you can't wait for morning to come. Amen. He says, that's what, that's what waiting, it's full of expectation. And that's what Jesus was saying when he said, you have a promise of the Father coming. And it's going to be good. It's going to be better than you could ever imagine. And it feels like right now in our world and in our life, like things are only getting worse. But can I just say that God never promised that things would get better, but he did promise that he would give us the power to endure the things and to overcome the things and to deal with the things. I love Isaiah chapter 30. This is God's promise. Verse 18, it says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Blessed are those who wait for him. The Lord will, therefore the Lord will wait. See, we don't like it when God takes his time. But he's got something special in store. You know, the disciples, they didn't know after Jesus ascended. They didn't know that they were going to be waiting 10 days. 
They didn't know how long to wait. In fact, Jesus had to tell them, it's not many days from now. It's not, it's not very long down the road. But they didn't know. They didn't know that Pentecost was going to... They didn't know what was specifically going on. They just knew that Jesus said, wait. And God was, has a time. He has a perfect time in it. I don't know. I don't understand it all. But there's a reason why God does what he does. But he wants us to wait with expectancy. And he says he's being gracious to us. Go back to that verse, if you would, for me, that Isaiah one, if you would, Rich. <clears throat> well, come back. So anyway, yeah, I'll wait expectantly. <laughs> Thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Lord will wait. Why? To be gracious. We don't think of waiting as a gracious move of God. Amen. But sometimes it's the most gracious thing he can do for you and me. And then, blessed are those who wait for him, who's waiting. Amen. So we need to wait expectantly. Number three, we need to wait patiently. We need to be patient. I love the disciples after Jesus says, now wait in Jerusalem. You're gonna, the Father's got a promise for you. He's going to pour out. You know, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's a power. You're going to get immersed in the Holy Spirit. And the power of God is going to come on you. And you're going to have what I had. And you're going to be able to do what I do and what I did. And, and you're going you're gonna to be world changers in this world. And you're going, to have, you're going to have the resources I had, and you're going to be able to go where I went and do what I did. Right? So Jesus gave them that great promise. But listen to the disciples. The disciples go back and they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, God, when are you going to raise Israel up and make us a great nation again and Give us our power and give us our authority and make us a special people. When are you going to restore the kingdom, of Israel, uh, to the, king, the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has put in his own authority. But you are going to receive power. Do you see what they're doing? They're focused on the very end when God wants them to live in the present. And he wants them to receive the power now. And leave all of the prophecy up to him. Leave all of the end time things up to him. He knows what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. Amen. But they're so impatient. They want the kingdom now. They want things to be righted now. They want things to be changed now. They're, they're so, they were still confused as to what God was doing in the earth. And in their limited understanding, they became impatient with what God was saying to them. They wanted to know the time, but Jesus said, never mind what time. Impatience is a, it's a, it's a real problem for some of us. You might be sitting next to someone who has that real big problem in their life. Impatient people get annoyed, they get upset, they get angry, they lash out, they complain, nothing's ever good enough, nothing's ever fast enough, 
Amen. Why is it so quiet in here? But you know what? Where it concerns the things of God, we don't know when, we don't know where, we don't always know how, but we need to be patient and wait for the power. What does patience look like? Well, a couple of really important ideas about staying patient is remember the harm that's caused by being impatient. You, you understand the times that you've been impatient and took things into your own hands and the devastation that that brought or the harm that that brought. And the Lord wants you and I to be patient because he's moving, he's doing something. We don't understand what's going on always. And we don't understand how it got this bad. We don't always understand what happened. But God says, if you will wait patiently, expectantly, corporately, I'm going to move. I'm going to do something. Just be patient. This is what we're doing these 10 days. We're waiting patiently. Every time we gather, maybe you do it at home and you watch the little video and every time you're doing that there in the quiet of your own devotional time, we together are waiting patiently. We're waiting on God. You ever heard the old adage, Don't just stand there, do something. Jesus told his disciples, don't do anything, just stand there. See, a lot of times we get impatient about the way things are, and then we try to do things in our own strength and our own ability, and that's where we foul a lot of things up. But we have to be patient, because God is going to do something. And what does this patience look like? It looks like resting in the Lord. I want you to look with me at Psalms 37, 7. David says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The word rest literally means be silent, be still, be dumb. In other words, keep your mouth shut and just wait. Amen. Now, I got to get me, I'm, I'm sweating up here like a good old Baptist preacher. I wish I had, I wish I had one of those big uh, fuzzy towels. Hey, man, can I get a witness out there? Instead of griping and complaining, just wait silently before the Lord. And here's another uh, really important idea about waiting patiently. Refuse to be distracted by all the stuff going on around you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I hear Paul saying in those words, don't be running around with all kinds of things. Just get, get into the place and stay there with God. Stop being distracted by all the demands and all the other ideas that you have about how to make things work. No. Be patient. Don't allow things to pull you out and away from Him. Amen. Some of us are not still enough for God to pour His Spirit in us. Some of us need to slow down so God can pour out His Holy Spirit in us. Amen.
Praise God. Are we okay? We need to wait corporately, together, in unity. We need to wait expectantly, with anticipation of what's coming. We need to wait patiently. And then finally, we need to wait prayerfully. Verse 14 says, And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. In prayer and supplication. While they waited, they prayed. Now you might think, you, know, you might ask the question, well, why are they praying when Jesus already said it's a promise and it's coming? Well, here's how it works. God gives the promise, but we pray the promise. That's how it works. God gives the promise, but we are to pray the promise. Remember Elijah when God said to Elijah, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. And he went and told Ahab, you need to get your, you know, you need to get your life in order because it's going to rain. And what did Ahab do? He went up on top of the mountain and he prayed for rain. God already said, this is what I'm going to do. Well, why pray about it if God's going to do it? Because God gives the promise, but we activate the promise through prayer. It's about relationship. It's about partnership. God wants us to be in relationship with him. He wants us to get close to him. He wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to listen to him. He wants us to call upon him. And so the Lord said to the, to, to the disciples, wait. And what did they do while they waited? They prayed. They prayed. If we don't pray, we don't stand a chance. We have to pray. And when it comes to a move of God, sometimes it takes an upper room kind of prayer life for a church. And that's kind of what we're doing in these 10 days. We're coming to a little room. It's not an upper room, it's a side room. And sometimes it takes that kind of prayer life to make a difference in what God is doing. And I want to tell you this, that the early church, they prayed fervently. The word is supplication. Everybody say supplication. Supplication, supplication means desperation or with earnestness. Church, the church was birthed literally in a prayer meeting. The day when they were praying, they were meeting in the upper room and they were praying, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The church was birthed in a prayer meeting. The power of God was poured out in a prayer meeting. Amen. And then a few weeks later, they were praying in a, in a room because they had been uh, threatened at with persecution, and so the disciples went back to the church, and they gathered with the church, and they began to pray that God would give them the boldness to face the persecution, and the Bible said the Spirit was poured out, and the place shook, and the people were filled with boldness, and they went out everywhere speaking boldly about Christ. Do you see why we need the power? That came out of a prayer meeting. 
We also know that the Spirit was poured out when the church prayed for the Samaritans. And when, he, when the church prayed for the Ephesians, the Spirit of God poured out upon them. And they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power. One time Peter went up into an upper room where a lady was lying dead. And he prayed to God and then he stood up and raised her from the dead. Now that's powerful praying. Amen. How many of you like some of that kind of prayer life? Amen. One time Peter was in prison and the church was praying in, I believe it's Rhoda's house. And they were interceding for Peter because he was in prison and they thought they were going to they, they kill Peter. But an angel came in the night and led him right out of the jail and right over to the house where they were praying and he knocks on the door. And the girl that saw Peter saw him and was afraid and shut the door on him. She was praying, but she didn't believe her prayers. Come on, how how often is that true of us? But what happened when the church was praying? God set people free. Amen. And so on and on. If you read through the book of Acts, you will find it over and over and over again. These people prayed with fervency. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me give you one other thing, the, the way that they prayed. They not, they not only prayed fervently, but they prayed with fasting. And you won't find it in this passage, but you do find it. I want to show you the verse of Scripture where you see it. It's in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. It says, and as they ministered, or literally as they were worshiping the Lord and, and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the wick." For the work which I have called, for for the work to which I have called them, then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, and then they sent them away. If you go back to the first part of that, Rich, for me, I want to I want to look at that again. They were ministering to the Lord and they were fasting. They were seeking God as a church. This is the church at Antioch, and they were just praying and fasting. And while they were fasting, the Holy Spirit broke in. And he said, I've got a work for you to do. I've got something that I'm going to, something that I have in store for you. And then the Bible says that after they received the direction of the Holy Spirit, they prayed and fasted some more to prepare themselves for what God had called them to. And then we know that that was the setup for Paul, Paul's first missionary journey that he took. There is something powerful about fasting. And I want to talk about it just for a moment because we're calling the church, we're calling Abundant Life Fellowship to consider fasting at least one day in these 10 days. And Let's just talk about it. What is fasting? Fasting is a voluntary abstaining from food or other legitimate enjoyments for a specified period, but for spiritual purposes. Fasting is something you and I do. We abstain, and in the Bible, the primary mode of fasting is abstaining from food, maybe drinking water, drinking water certainly, but pushing away the food, 
so that we can get hungry for God. Your belly's going to be growling, but your spirit's going to be crying out to God. Amen. And it's not fun. I'll just clue you in in case you've never done it. Why do we fast? Well, fasting, according to the scriptures, aligns our heart with the purposes and the will of God. As we seek God, as we put away food or we put away social media, we put away, (laughs) you know, some other legitimate enjoyment in our life, something that we really crave, we put it away and we're saying, God, I don't want that. I want you. And I need to hear from you. Fasting, I don't know how it does it, but it somehow clears the airwaves where I get a deeper connection with God. And I'm aligning my heart with the purpose of God and with the will of God. And Jesus told us that when we fast, he said, there are rewards to fasting. He said, you get rewards from it. Like, one of the things that you get a deepened relationship with God. When you and I fast, there's something about it where we go into a more deep and intimate place with the Lord. Another thing that fasting does is that it unleashes heavenly warfare. Daniel was fasting, and the Bible said when he was fasting and praying, that 21 days later, 21 days of praying and fasting, by the way, 21 days later, the angel showed up and told him, the first day you started praying and fasting, I was dispatched. But I faced warfare because The enemy in the heavenly places doesn't want the will of God to be done in the earth. But when you and I choose to fast, we're not just going deeper with God, but really there's something else happening. When we fast in the earth, something happens in the heavens. And if you're in a battle, if you're in a warfare right now, one of the most important things that you and I could do is fast. Jesus said, dealing with some demonic powers, some of these things don't come out except without, with fasting and prayer. Amen. It also, which brings me to another thing, fasting can help break off bondages of our flesh. If we're dealing with some sort of a, a struggle in our life, it could be, you know, things related to uh, addictions, um, drinking, drugs, sexual things, porn, things things that are a struggle in our life. Some of these things can't be dealt with just by showing up to church and, and, and just praying here. Sometimes we have to get, we have to fast. Jesus said that. Sometimes you have to put away other things and really get serious about pressing into God's presence. Amen. I know this is not the fun. This is a terrible way to end a message. but it does break off bondages. You know why? Because when you fast, you're taking control over your body and not letting your body control you. Amen. Fasting empowers our prayers. Fasting prepares us for a new work that God has called us to. Fasting, when we fast, the airwaves are open and we can, hear, we can hear God more clearly. We get greater direction and instruction on what to do in a particular situation in my life when we fast. 
When we fast, we learn how to control our appetite. Amen. When we fast, here's, here's another added benefit. It eliminates toxins in your body. Now, chemical toxins are one thing, but there are some other toxins that we live with, like bad attitudes. Amen. Have you ever met a toxic person? You should tell them you need to fast. You need to eliminate some of those toxins. These are times of refreshing. God wants to pour out his spirit. God is going to pour out his spirit. God does pour out his spirit. But we need to wait. We need to wait as a church. We need to wait with expectancy. We need to wait patiently. But we need to wait prayerfully. Because God's doing a new thing. And we need to get ready for it. Amen. How many are you ready for the new thing from God? Let's all stand together. Amen. I would like the prayer folks to come on up if they would. Today, I want to remind us of what this passage said. Jesus said to his disciples, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Today, if you would like to receive a fresh infilling, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon your life, you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to come and to receive prayer. I know we have a couple of uh, folks up here. I'll make myself available if we need to. But if you would like more of the Holy Spirit right now in your life, I want to invite you to come and receive that today. Let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for the power of your word. Beyond my ability, God, it is your word. And your word is life. And I pray, Lord, that we will receive this word, meditate on it, and allow your spirit to teach us and to train us through it. To say something to us. Prepare us, God, for what you're doing, I pray. God, I pray for all my friends and family here that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would make your face to shine upon them and to be gracious to them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you want prayer, come on up.